0: So open your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 2. Can we stand in honor of God's word tonight? Look at verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 5. It says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it'll be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it'll surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous. And the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave, and like death, they're never satisfied in their greed. They have gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. Father, during our time of fasting and prayer, what a wonderful opportunity to receive fresh vision from you. And God, I ask that you would give us fresh vision tonight, that you would allow us to see And to grasp with our hearts what we've never seen and grasped before. That you would extend the things and build upon the things that you've already shown. Believing, Father God, that the foundation that you lay is always meant to be built upon. And so, Father, take us further than we've ever been. Allow us to see farther than we ever have. Tonight, oh God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our ears so that we could hear and receive what we've never heard and received from you before. Father, thank you that you always give fresh bread. And God, we thank you for your provision again tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. I want to talk about vision tonight, and I know that these verses have been used a lot in regards to vision, and there's good reason for that. It's been said that this could be one of the most important Old Testament passages based on the fact that. The Apostle Paul referenced it, and Martin Luther referenced it. My prayer is that you'll discover how to obtain fresh vision, and my prayer is even more so that you'll pay the price to get it. My title tonight is Fresh Vision. I'm going to be referencing four versions tonight, the New King James, the, the, um, the ESV, the, the New Living Translation, and the Message and we'll be looking primarily out of one commentary. I think I use maybe one or two. Um, the New American um, commentary I'll reference tonight. I want you to see, though, tonight that the prophet Habakkuk, he's concerned here. There's, there's concern here. And the answer to what he's so concerned about is found in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 of Habakkuk. He said, "O Lord, my God, my holy one, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord our God, our rock, uh, you've sent these Babylonians to wreck to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? The message words verse 13." So why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This outrage, evil men swallow up the righteous and you stand around and watch. The New American Commentary says that Habakkuk worried about God's silence which he had to endure. I thought that that was powerful. That Habakkuk worried about God's silence that he had to endure. How many of you know that there are times that you want God to speak and it seems that he's silent in those times? He seems that, it seems that in those moments that, you know, God can't be found, The the new American commentary continues, all the prophet could do was sit and wait for God's timing. Man, in 20 years, there were moments that I wish God would move so much faster than he did. But I found that if anything's really going to be of God, that it's never going to take place in my timing. And there are times that we get set up by God to wait on him. Because if we can find out how to wait on God and hear from God, then in the toughest of times, we'll be able to make it through some of the greatest of times. I believe some of those moments where it seems like God is hard to be found are some of the greatest moments that God teaches us. Some of the, some of the moments where he reveals the greatest things to us. Isn't it amazing that in order to hear from God, Habakkuk had to be willing to wait. If he wasn't willing to wait, he wasn't going to hear from him. And you need to ask yourself at some point in the ballgame, how important is it that you really honestly and genuinely hear from God? How important is it? And will you pay the price in order to, to hear from God if that's really your goal? And I love the prophet's heart and his, I want to say, attitude here. The New King James says that he set himself on the rampart, the English Standard Version, the ESV said he took a stand at his watch post. The New Living says he climbed up to his watchtower. The Message says he climbed to the lookout tower. Now, I know that there were two kinds of watchmen in the Bible. There were the military watchmen that would be set high on a place on a wall so that they could peer into the distance and so that they could say, you know looks like about you know 10,000 troops you know a thousand on horseback and they could notify the armor there were there were also spiritual watchmen and we know that the prophet here is a spiritual watchman i love the fact that he um he he had a desire to hear there's a purpose in his climbing up to his to his watchtower or to his to his post. I I love the purpose that's seen here. I love the desire, the hunger that's seen here. I'm going to climb up to my watchtower and I'm going to wait. I love that. So with a purpose in mind, he was climbing because he was going to hear from God. He wasn't hoping to hear. He knew that God would speak and he was willing to wait as long as it took. Secondly, I see that the prophet was willing to cut himself off from the world and he was even willing to climb to do it. So I'm going to get away from everything else. I'm going to climb up to my watchtower. I'm going to climb up to my post, and I'm going to cut myself off from anything. You know, sometimes maybe we're not we're not climbing high enough or, or far enough to get away from everything else. I don't know about you, but when I'm getting along with God, I don't want a bunch of distractions there. I'm not trying to drag a bunch of things into my, my prayer closet. I want to get away, and I love the fact that the prophet Got away like that. And then thirdly, I see that the prophet had a post and he had to determine that he was going to occupy it and that he was going to assume that post. That I have a place where I should be right now. It's in my prayer closet. It is in my watchtower. I am going to climb up there. I'm going to get along with God and I'm going to wait to hear from him. I love that he was determined. I love that there was hunger. And there was a determined goal in what he did. I don't know about you, but whenever I fast and pray, it is always to hear from God. It's never just a, you know, God, I just want to be a better, stronger Christian through this time. I want to, I want to hear from you. I, I, need to, I need to hear from you. And I want to hear from you for more than, than just myself. I want to hear from you for the church. I want to hear from you for 2018. I want to hear from you, oh God. And I love the prophet's heart. The New American Commentary states that here in these verses, we see the office of the prophet clearly. I love that. The gift to distinguish between God's voice and all others and to know this in your heart of hearts that I know that I heard from God. I know that I heard from God. I love that. Absolutely love it. One scholar states, prophets have no independent wisdom of their own. They're dependent on the word of God. How dependent are you? How desperately do you want to hear from God? I'm encouraging you tonight that you can spend time with God, not just so that he hears you, but so that you can hear from him. Go to Jeremiah 42. I'm going to show you a couple portions of scripture that you may have never noticed before. Go to Jeremiah 42. I loved when I found this in my studies. Look at 42.5. It says, Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord your God be a faithful witness against us if we refuse to obey whatever he tells us to do. Whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. I love that. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. Notice how dependent they were on hearing from God. In fact, I've said it before You see it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's called the Shema. That word Shema is the Hebrew word for for listen, and it's the first word. In fact, newer versions like the New Living Translation will even use the word listen. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's said that a, a traditional Jewish person... That is the last thing that will be on their lips before they pass away. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's like one of the last things that they'll they'll say. You need to understand Jewish thought a little bit. You need to understand the Hebrew language a little bit. In Jewish thought and in the Jewish language, there aren't two words for listen and obey. They're one word, shema, shema. We in our English language, we have two words. We have obey and we have listen. But to the Jewish person and in Jewish thought, what would be the sense in hearing from God if you weren't going to obey him? It's all one word, to hear and obey. What would be the sense in it? And so I want to challenge you tonight. If you are going to mark out time and if you are going to set aside time to get alone with God and you're going to take the time to hear from him, then do what he's asking you to do. Whether it brings encouragement, it's instructive. Whether it gives you a course and a direction, it's instructive. Whether it's simply, whether the voice of God simply says, wait, I want you to wait, I want you to trust me. I don't know how many times you may have heard things like that at a time when you would, you would have preferred to God just to rain down some answer. He tells you to wait or he tells you to trust him. He tells you to abide in him. How challenging those times can be. See, we don't know how long Habakkuk waited, only that he did until God spoke. And if that's the non negotiable with you, if you were going to set aside time, I'm not going to go anywhere, God, until you speak, until I know that you've spoken to my heart. And I have found a couple things about God's voice. First of all, I found that. God's voice never caters to my flesh, always challenges my flesh. I have found that I always feel God when he speaks because God's voice kind of permeates who you are. It's not something that 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 jives with your thinking. And, and you know what, God? I was thinking the same thing, said no one ever. And so when God speaks, it's a challenge to you. It's a challenge to your flesh. And it's something that... You feel first and then you think about second. You feel God's voice first and then you're all of a sudden then chewing on it in your mind. What did God just speak? It's as if when you become a Christian, your heart now has ears, your heart now has eyes. That's why scriptures like Ephesians 1.18 are so powerful. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened. You can see things. You can hear things. You can feel things with a born-again heart that you couldn't before you were saved. And it's powerful. Powerful stuff. Both the New King James and the ESV in Habakkuk 2 verse 1 say write the vision. But that's not what the... NLT says. The NLT says, write my answer. Write my answer. The older versions say, write the vision, and God says, write my answer. So a vision from God answers something. It answers something. In fact, the message says, write this, write what you see. So if I could encapsulate A vision from God. A vision from God is His answer that He shows us so that we can see it. It's His answer to what we're coming to Him about. God, I'm coming to you on behalf of the city of Ionia. God, I'm coming to you on behalf of my family. I'm coming to you on behalf of my marriage. God, give me a vision for my marriage. Give me a vision for my family. And God gives you His answer. God gives you His answer and he asks you to write it. So it's something that you have received from God so much so that you could write it down. It's not like, well, I just got this general feeling of, of, of peace or, or of comfort that, you know, based on what I felt that 2018 would be. No, 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 it's something that you could write. It's not a generality. It's a specific thing that you could write down. Write my vision. Write, write what you see. Write my answer. Write it. It's a specific thing that you could write down. I love the NLT. I believe it words it best here. It says, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. So God wants us to see it clearly before we write it. It must be correct because it's going to go out to others. I see God stressing that it's correct, and I see God stressing others the vision's got to be correct, and it's got to go to others. I don't believe in little personal private visions. I don't believe that, that, you know, God says to anyone, hey, here's a vision just for you. I don't want you to reach anyone. I don't want you to go any further than the doors of your home with, with Jesus. Um, this, is, this is the vision for you and you alone. That's not consistent with Scripture. Consistent with scripture is that God gives a vision that you write it down so that others can read it. And I love the fact that those others are runners. There are runners and then there are those that the runners are taking the vision to. There's the vision the vision carrier, there are runners, and then there are others that the vision's to go out to. And I love the fact over the 20 years that God has given many runners to restore church that took the vision and they ran with it. And they ran with it. And that others were reached because of it. I love that about vision. Look at Habakkuk 2.3. Habakkuk 2.3. Let me get there with you. I'm a little ways away from home here. Habakkuk 2.3. I want to read it to you. Here in the New Living, it says, This vision is for a future time. It describes the end. It'll be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it'll surely take place. It'll not be delayed. The message says, This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming, it can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way, it'll come right on time. The New King James says, but at the end it'll speak and it will not lie. So a vision from God speaks, that's why we wait. That's why we wait upon it. A vision from God speaks. And we're waiting for the vision to speak. I just want to say this, I am still waiting for God to speak concerning the vision that he's given Restored Church that, that hasn't happened yet. I'm still waiting for god's vision for restored church to speak in ways that 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 God just hit that hasn't yet. vision's growing vision's not a stagnant thing it's a it's a it's a growing thing because runners are reaching others and it's a it's a moving and uh, thing and there are still things that god has has spoken that I haven't seen take place, and there are things that I'm sure God hasn't spoken yet that haven't taken place. So anything that comes from God speaks, and it's worth waiting for. Anything that comes from God, it speaks, and it's worth waiting for. It's alive. A word from God is alive. A vision from God is alive. It speaks, and it's worth waiting for it, because just one word can do tremendous things. In fact, we know from the Psalms that God sent his word, and he healed them from their diseases. One word can heal. So powerful is a word from God that one word can heal from God. Just one. That's how powerful the word of God is. We might share the vision, but the vision itself speaks because it's from God. And so there are times that you share the vision, and then there are times that you wait on the vision. You wait on it. God, I know that you've given vision. We've shared the vision that you've given. And so, God, now we're waiting on the vision. We're waiting for it to speak. I just want to read verses 4 and 5, and they're typically not the verses that you read when you're talking about vision, but in verses 4 and 5, it lists some enemies of vision. And so it's going to get a little bit strong here, but I believe you can handle it. It says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave and like death they're never satisfied in their greed. They've gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. The number one enemy of vision is pride. It's pride. Number one enemy. Why? Because the proud trust in themselves and they don't trust in God. In fact, the Bible says that God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Pride is the number one enemy of vision and you'll see it kind of repeated through some of these other enemies of vision that we're going to look at tonight speaking of pride it says that their lives are crooked i believe older version says their soul is not upright in them but it's, the righteous shall live by faith see it was that that martin luther saw that just scrambled his circuits that's it, it caused him to pound 95 Thesis on the castle door in Wittenbach. How amazing. Just that one verse, remember God's word is alive. The message says, but the person in right standing before God through loyal and steady believing is fully alive, really alive. Let me read that again, I thought it was so good. But the person in right standing before God through loyal and steady believing is fully alive, really Alive. Now I want to look at verse 5. Verse 5, some commentaries, they differ on whether this should be included in verses 1 through 4, whether 5 should be included in this section on vision. But many commentaries feel that it's consistent, that it's consistent. But going into verse 5, I just want to say this, there are some discrepancies. So depending on the version that you have in your hand, you might find one of two things being said. Notice the NLT says that wealth is treacherous. The message says, note well, money deceives. The New King James, though, says, indeed, because he transgresses by wine. And the ESV says, moreover, wine is a traitor. So why? Why do four, four versions differ? Two say that wealth is treacherous and, and deceitful and Another speaks about wine and transgressing by wine and wine being a traitor. Why such a difference? Why is one speaking about wealth and another speaking about wine? Well, we know that the Babylonians were being discussed here. We know that. If we look at this contextually, we know that. We know that the Babylonians were known for their heavy drinking. And so why in this Portion of scripture that God is speaking to the prophet Habakkuk about vision, would there be a discrepancy between wealth and between wine? As I continued to dig, I found that this speaks of not just an arrogance, but a drunken arrogance. Like a very wealthy man under the influence, just boasting, just boasting. That's why one version will use the word for wealth and another version will use the word for for wine. It all revolves around pride. Remember, pride is enemy number one. But here are a couple of pride's offspring. Deception of wealth and drunkenness. If you're going to wait on God for fresh vision, don't be deceived by all that wealth offers and don't be led astray by drunkenness. So I just want to make a couple bold statements tonight. Number one, if you don't know who to honor first with the money that comes into your hands, don't expect God to ignore that and offer fresh vision. Number two, if you can't be around alcohol without coming under its influence, then there is pride there that must be dealt with. Let me show you this in another portion of scripture. Maybe you've never seen this before. Go to Isaiah 28. The longer I'm a Christian, the more that I realize that discipline means everything when it comes to vision, when it comes to long-standing vision. I never noticed this before. It's speaking about Samaria, but you'll get the point that's being made. In Isaiah 28.1, it says, What sorrow awaits the proud city of Samaria, the glorious crown of the drunks of Israel? It sits at the head of a fertile valley, but its glorious beauty will fade like a flower. It is the pride of a people brought down by wine. It is the pride of a people brought down by wine. Isn't it amazing how vision can reach a city, but wine can bring it down? Any influence apart from God will pull a city down. Gambling, drugs, alcoholism, it'll it'll pull it down but a vision can reach a city. A vision can reach a city. And so I just want to say this. If you lack the discipline to stay sober, why would God impart his vision when you're not even seeing clearly physically, let alone spiritually? You cannot reasonably expect God to bless finances that you're not honoring him with. Wealth that does not honor God and drunkenness are not faithful to God and they enlarge their own desires. Look at Habakkuk 2.5 in the New King James. It says, Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. He does not stay at home because he enlarges his desire as hell. And he is like death that cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. Keep in mind that we are talking about vision from God, fresh vision from God. And these are enemies. These are enemies of vision. These are things that want you to come under their influence. They want you to come under their influence. Know what you're prone to. Know what you're subject to. Some people, they can't, they just cannot handle large amounts of money. They can't handle it. They don't know what to do with it. Some people just can't have a glass of wine or a beer. They cannot help themselves but to come under the influence of it. Some people just can't. They can't for whatever reason, can't see the writing on the wall that these are things that will destroy their life. If we really want to hear from God, then we need to be willing to part with anything else that could be an influence in our life. I remember years ago, I was in a, in a church service. I was a youth pastor in Grand Haven, and back in that day, um, we would have... I think two Sunday morning services. We had a Sunday night, and the youth service was after the Sunday night service. And we had a particularly powerful minister that day out of Lansing, Pastor Brent Bowles. I haven't seen him in years. Um, He uh, came and he ministered, um, not on Lansing. It It was Lansing or Muskegon. I can't remember. I want to say Lansing. Um, And he came to minister that day and. And Pastor Bernie, typically, after everybody had been prayed for, he'd always tell the staff, you know, get up there. Typically, we're, we're working the altars, you know, for everybody that's getting prayed for. And then he'd say, John, get up there and get prayed for. Okay. And so I went up there, and I had Pastor Bowles lay his hands on me, and I was just, I was out. I mean, I couldn't get up for the life of me. I was, I was on the carpet. Well, that's okay, If you're not the one that leads the worship for the youth service and you're the one who does the preaching for the youth service, if you're not the one that does that, you're okay. If you are, then there are some concerns there. And I am, I'm like about right over here, I'm out and I can't get up. I want to get up. And I'm kind of wrestling with God while I'm down there. And I would see my wife and the Lord would jump in between and say, she's mine. I would see my sons, and the Lord would jump in between and say, they're, "They're mine." I'm surrendering everything to God while I'm out there on the carpet, and the youth service too. So I'm I'm down there, and the youth are walking in, and they're they're looking at me, and they're wondering why I'm on the ground and why I can't get up. I mean, literally, I could not could not get up. I was aware of what was going on around me, but I just I couldn't get up. God was not letting me get up, and I'm thinking, what service has got to Gotta go on. What? And then I heard R.J. Halls. He jumped upon on the, the keyboards. They got him to stay and lead worship for the. I'm thinking, oh, R.J., you're awesome. I love you. I miss him. And uh, he went home to be with the Lord. And uh, just saw his son Gabe not too long ago. Came and hung out with me. We did lunch. Um, and then I wondered who's going to preach. And then I heard Pastor Ron Rands start preaching. I'm like, oh man, they got Ron to preach. Awesome. I love you, Ron. And, uh, and I'm still just out there while the service is going on. And all of that time, God was having me surrender the things that were so important to me my wife, my sons. And all of those moments like that that I had with God were huge in order for us to to come here to Ionia, to be sent here to Ionia, to to be trusted with a vision here in Ionia. Can God trust you with a vision? Can he give you a vision that's from him? How will you handle it? Are you willing to value his voice and hearing him more than anything else? How do you handle something that God gives you, the words that he gives you? How bad do you want to hear it? See, the greatest and most dominant influence in your life should be the Holy Spirit, bar none. Bar none. Nothing else should supersede that. So tonight, will you assume your post and will you wait to hear from God no matter how long it takes? Pastor, I'm believing. I've been praying about this. God hasn't spoken yet, but I know that He will. Man, don't quit. Don't give up. God's going to speak. God's going to speak. Even if you must climb to your post, it'll be well worth it. Can I suggest this? If you do not have a place that you regularly go and pray, get one. Get one. You need to have a place where God can meet you. The Bible talks specifically about a prayer closet. Just don't cop an attitude, a very casual, you know, laissez-faire attitude about your time spent with God. Be very intentional about your time spent with God. Have a place that you get alone with God. If it's not a place, have a time where you can be alone with God. Where God can get you before the kids, before your pets, where God can get you before anything or anyone. Where you are all alone with God and God is not competing with everything else. He's not competing with your phone. You're not, you're not checking Facebook first, you're getting on your face first. Have a specific place and a time that you know God can get with you. I'll tell you what had to happen in my life. By nature, I'm a sanguine and I just love a party. So like New Year's Eve here and going to see Star Wars, I'm in my element. That was just, I absolutely love being around a bunch of people and especially a, a great crowd like we had here Um, that's a great time for me. So I'm the guy that, by nature, I'm the guy that would stay up late and sleep in. So when I was single and I was working second shift, man, that was the easiest shift in the world for me because that was my life. You know, 4 to 12 to 2 in the morning, easy peasy. I'd come home and still stay up an hour. or I mean, it was a cakewalk for me. Then I was in the ministry. And... I began to realize that I'm not guaranteed any other time of the day except those early morning hours. I, I love my sleep, love my sleep. Oh! And so I had to pray that God would give me discipline because I lacked it, to get up early to spend time with him. And there were times that God would speak to me and tell me, I, I want to use you, but I need you to discipline yourself so that I can use you. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, you're killing me exactly what I'm trying to do. And so I began getting up. And the only time that I am guaranteed on any given day is before anybody's up in my house. The only time that I'm guaranteed when I come here to the church is before anybody else is here at the church. And I get all alone with God. And he's not competing with any of the other voices. He's not competing with anything else. And he can talk to me. And I can cry. And I can weep before him. And I can cry out to him. And I can sing. And I can worship him. And I don't have to worry about anything else. I'm encouraging you. Have a place and have a time. Just don't Say that tomorrow I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. I really need to spend. When are you going to? Where are you going to? Have a specific place and have. That's like saying that you're going to save a bunch of money in 2018 and you don't even have a savings account. Have a place and have a time. Have a place and have a time. I know individuals that grasp this truth so much that they went and built a building buy their house that they could go out to and get along with God and God would meet them there. Find a place. Find a place. I could tell you again and again and again in the 20 years, even before we owned buildings, the places that I would go to get along with God. I would go to the Union Hill Inn breakfast. The breakfast when there wouldn't be anybody there, um, I would go there and I would get all along with God there. And the owners would let me come and just pray. I would fast and I would pray and I would spend my my time there find a place and just know this that even if you have to climb to get there it'll be worth it you don't think that God sees the effort that you're putting into your getting alone with him you know that he does and I don't know about you but I have found that God always meets me at my hunger he always meets me at my hunger level The Bible says that he satisfies the longing soul. I believe it's Psalm 107, verse 9. Satisfies the longing soul. And so long for God enough that you would set aside that time that you would make him a priority. Will you humble yourself to hear from God, allowing him to put his finger on your pride? What are the areas of pride in your life? What are the areas of pride? Are you really talented? Are you really smart? Are you really gifted? What are the areas of pride in your life? Will you humble yourself so that God could put his finger on those areas so that he can really speak to you? Because vision doesn't come to prideful people. It comes to people that are willing to humble themselves. When's the last time that you said that you were wrong? When's the last time that you took the low road and said, you know what, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I believe that that is truly a path to blessing, just being able to take the, the low road in situations that you might even know that you're right. Just take the low road and say, I'm, I'm sorry. Isn't it amazing that Jesus came, you know, that Jesus was lowly and riding on a donkey, and sometimes it's so hard for us to assume that kind of position? And then tonight, will you see where you desired to enlarge your desires so that you can see where God desires to enlarge your heart? Let me say that again. Tonight, will you see where you desired to enlarge your desires so that you can see where God desires to enlarge your heart? I think that's where the competition always is. We have these desires that we want to enlarge, and all the while, God wants to enlarge our heart. All the while, God wants to enlarge our heart. And church, I'm preaching to myself too tonight. But I just want to pray that we would genuinely hear from God in these 10 days, that we would set this time aside, and that we would hear from God. And so I just want to take the remainder of tonight and just allow you a moment just to hear.